The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Stephen Ambrose brings you up to speed on what the future holds as he explores the latest technology as it impacts our lives. Well, welcome to Tech Talk right here on High FM. As usual, we talk all tech, all the latest gizmos, gadgets, and so many things that affect our lives. Just casual discussion this week about chips and the chip shortage and everything that's going on around in the semiconductor industry, how incredible the whole development has been. And without even going anywhere, every single thing you touch today pretty much has some form of microprocessor and chip in it. It's just a crazy thought. I mean, from simple little items like vacuum cleaners to battery chargers to anything that you can imagine. Cars have thousands. Your home is chock-a-block with little Wi-Fi connections and all the rest. So the fundamental building blocks of the technology revolution are chips. And chips (laughs) have proved to be not quite as resilient through the whole pandemic of the last crazy two years as, as we would have liked everything from the delay in cars to laptops to washing machines to fridges, pretty much not kettles. It's about the only thing that I still think is fully mechanical, though there is a whole host of hot water solutions, as they call them, which have all sorts of microprocess built in. So watch this space. We live in a really, really fundamentally changing world, and every single thing has some form of electronics, technology, and whatnot built in. But sliding back into entertainment and what is going on in that space after a hard day's work worrying about chip shortages, whatever company and whatever industry you're in, we all want to lie back and Netflix and chill. That's sort of become the thing. But streaming has become so much more than simply one set up with Netflix. Obviously, many people still rely on direct TV, broadcast TV, certainly in a country like South Africa. But for the vast majority, more and more streaming, being able to connect your TV or your devices to your TV, to the internet, pick a channel, pick a movie, and stream on demand. No more waiting and rushing to get the kettle ready to watch your favorite soapy. You just play it when you want it. And for a while now, Disney have been one of the largest and most, I think, sought over, sought after franchises in the world. There's just no question about that. They launched Disney Plus, I think, nearly 18 months ago in the U.S. and other major territories around the world. And they had a host of really original content and, and, and movies and episodes from Marvel, Star Wars, National Geographic, of course, Pixar, all those cute movies, and Disney, well, Disney needs no introduction. Everyone who's anyone from Mickey Mouse onwards knows Disney. Well, here's the good news. Disney Plus is coming to South Africa. It's coming to 42 new countries across the world. And here's the little sting in the tail of the good news. It's only coming sometime between June, end of June, and the middle of September. Don't know why or what or who the the, the challenges are, but truth be told, I think the whole entertainment industry is is in in the throes of a revolution. And with multi-choice being the de facto satellite and streaming service in South Africa, they probably tied up a lot of these titles, which weren't able to be streamed by any other platform in the country until those agreements are out of the way. So that's probably been part of it. So it sounds simple. Just go on the Internet, connect to Disney Plus, and start streaming movies. But the sheer amount of back 
the stuff that happens in the back end to make sure that all the territorial rights and whoever paid for this didn't get that and, and whatnot has probably delayed it. But good news, it's coming. It'll add to your bouquet of stuff that you have to pay for. It's reasonably cheap in the U.S., somewhere in the region of the $6.99 per month with deals that launched some amazing deals when they first started. So let's wait and see how how it plays out in the South African context. Hopefully another 100 Rand a month, which today is three cups of coffee. Um, and so you can just sit back and enjoy even more streaming stuff. So let's look forward to that. I'll bring you the news of when you can sign up as soon as we can. Now, interesting news coming across, and it's way, way we discussed Spectrum and all that good stuff last week, but it's way, way overdue. Can you imagine your old Nokia phone, your 2G and 3G phone, will actually stop working in South Africa sometime in the nearest future? Now, Telcom have been decommissioning their 2G network and other parts of their network for quite a bit of time now. Not that you've probably noticed in the more urban areas. But the many countries around the world have simply switched off 2G and 3G. But now it's coming along hard and fast. And ICASA, along with the operators, are working on how to streamline the discontinuation of these networks. And there's a really good reason for that. Although from your point of view, your phone, whatever phone you have, connects to pretty much any network. And sometimes in terrible signal areas, you see edge which is 2G, and you see 3G, which is obviously 3G. But for the most part, you should be seeing LTE, 4G, and if you're lucky, in some areas, 5G. And those new technologies from 4G onwards are fundamentally different in the way they work to 2G and 3G. I wouldn't call 2G and 3G analog, but they had a significant analog and mechanical component in the back end which did not exist in 4G. From 4G, mobile communications essentially went fully digital. Now, many of the networks have used digital techniques to emulate and to still distribute 2G and 3G. But having to run a 2G network, which is a discrete network, a 3G network, which is a discrete network, plus a 4G network, which is another complete network with different needs, and now trying to introduce 5G is probably way, way, way too much. So, MTN have said that they're considering of switching 3G first. The reason being is all the machine-to-machine stuff that is used on 2G, from electricity meters to traffic lights, you name it, that use a simple signaling system based on 2G. But 3G um, is significantly inferior to any form, even the simplest form of 4G. And 4G is much ubiquitous at 98% of the country across all the major networks. So MTN said they're going to probably switch off 3G first, which makes a lot of sense. Telcom, as I said, has already decommissioned about 80% of its 2G network. So all those old phones you've got lying around are just simply, you'll switch them on and they won't find a signal, they won't connect, and they won't do anything. The other reason why this is happening, quite simply, is that all these networks, apart from being costly to run, so you've got 3G radios, 2G radios, 4G radios, and 5G radios sitting on a tower, although 4G and 5G tend to work pretty much on the same subsystem. Um, you still got three discrete radios and antenna and towers and amplifiers and connections and whatnot happening on every tower. So that's a real estate and cost implication. The other thing, very, very simply, having all of these 
running on the spectrums that have been allocated to these various services leads to congestion. So many of us have seen how bad voice quality becomes between three and five when everyone's on the road talking in certain busy areas. And that's simply because all the, all the, the radio waves in the air are being used up by all the various people trying to do whatever they need to do. And as, by removing 2G and 3G networks, it'll free up capacity on all these towers and more importantly, masses amounts of spectrum, which can be allocated then to the more advanced and more efficient technologies. So what 4G can achieve on the same spectrum as 3G is 10 times more. What 5G can achieve on the same spectrum as 3G and 4G is 100 times more. So expect to see quite an accelerated rollout over the next little while. Hopefully the spectrum auction, which is scheduled for the 8th of March, goes ahead. Who knows? But... We are going to see some big changes in the mobile space. Everyone's going to have to have a more modern 4G phone and above. Obviously, that's a problem for the lowest end of the market. But let's see. 2G may carry on for a little while. But I do believe that the 3G network, the 3G data network will go away. And no loss. It's slow. It's horrible. And it really doesn't add any value to any of our lives. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Welcome back. And a lot of talk has been going on. A lot of uh, discussion has been had. And it's all about what is going on with Google and cookies. Now, as I said, this ain't the cooking show, even though there's a lot of cooking going on. And it's definitely not the books. But cookies simply refer to a little file that's stored on your computer every time you use your web browser. Now, to be entirely clear, this has been the case since the first web browser went out. There had to be a way that your activity could be recorded and managed and planned. And cookies were created for one very simple reason, and that was to track that activity and supply that activity to whomever created the web browser. And guess what they would do with that? Advertising and marketing and without going into a whole story around what goes on in that space, the simple conclusion we have to draw is that everything you do online, in fact, everything you do on the Internet, is tracked and available at some level, somewhere, at some time through the tracking of your activities. So we're now sitting with a situation where the world of privacy has grown exponentially. And the concerns around what we do with our entire lives moving online, with every activity that we want, e-government coming, your banking, your shopping, your communication, um, your Skypes and your WhatsApps and whatever it is, all running through the Internet. The Internet has become the fundamental communication, business, transactional and everything to pretty much everyone wherever you go. So... Europe led the led the pack with GDPR, their rules about around privacy, and they've been fairly tough and strict on the various companies fining Google and other companies billions of dollars. I think the penalty is up to 10% of your global turnover. So it's a serious set of legislation with serious teeth and can create enormous uh, consequences for breaches of privacy. But South Africa followed with its Popeer 
um, legislation. I hear the Middle East, UAE have just released their version of these. Canada, Australia, many territories around the world have released laws and regulations that make a huge difference to the um, privacy and the use of data and what can be tracked, what can't be tracked, what, what companies can do and the responsibilities they have towards you with regard to privacy. Because truth be told, if you live your life like most of us do on a computer most of the day, using your web browser, using all these various platforms, all the social media and everything, there is an absolute treasure trove of information out there. And advertising has developed and moved along with everything else that we do. How do you reach people? The good old days, there was traditional newspapers, magazines, television, movies. They used to drop pamphlets and brochures. In fact, they still do. But they used to drop pamphlets and brochures at your door every day. And that way, people with services and products and things they wanted to sell could bring them to your attention and highlight it. But over the last 10 years, that has moved almost entirely online, either through the whole social media movement of influencers and people that tweet and post and TikTok and whatever it was, all sorts of, they come and go on many of these platforms. But the simple fact, they became the source of information for advertisers to hawk their wares and to try to expose their products and services to as many people as possible. But one of the cleverest ways that this was done was through the Internet. Now, we've all got that creepy story that you were talking about a certain thing, a certain product. And the next thing, these adverts start popping up on Facebook and on various on your browser regarding what you were talking about and suddenly you're getting adverts for fishing trips to the Algarve. I don't know what, but you just spoke about it. However, it's a little bit more subtle than that. Having used the web and, and using the probably biggest web browser on the market, Google Chrome, it is a phenomenal piece of technology. It just makes everything so easy. Google search built in. All of these fantastic services that are available for free by simply logging on and going online have a sting in the tail. The sting is that these products and services need to make money. The only way these products and services made money was by selling information or arranging direct advertising to any company that wishes in order to get your their information in front of people. And the adverts have become more and more targeted, and that is the point of a cookie. That is the point of what tracking your online activity does. Now, in many, many instances, none of this information is personal. So they don't know who you are. They don't know where you are. Well, they do. Sorry, they do know where you are. But they don't really know personally what you're doing, although there are methods to find that out. However, in general, Google has been pretty good at anonymizing or randomizing the information. So the, the sort of bands they would sell is adults employed, between the ages of 18 and 59 who are interested in fishing, for want of a better word. And then every time you go online and you visited a few fishing sites, those that are trying to sell product to people who visit said sites will start getting targeted ads. They do a Google search. They'll see targeted ads towards what you're doing. And that was all driven by cookies. Now, by default, um, Apple and Microsoft have started blocking cookies the same way as um, pop-ups used to just pop up and you know destroy your browsing experience cookies have been blocked now google have been trying 
because of the privacy concerns. They've been trying to find a new system that will replace cookies by the end of 2022. Well, due to the massive pushback from advertisers and marketers globally, they've now decided to extend that through till 2023. So you're going to hear more and more about this. But Google have been working on a new set of products and and, and solutions to the whole issue of cookies. One of their systems was called Topics. And Topics would use tracking on Google Chrome based on interests like talk radio or tennis. And the Topics were based on the last three weeks of browsing activity. Very, very clever solution. But many companies, and certainly in the marketing space, felt that this was far too narrow and would centralize that information so strongly with Google that it would really be a problem for their businesses. And obviously, Google, being a for-profit company, would try to, you know, monetize this and get a new system, you know, get, get more income from it. They also tried to switch last year to a new system, which they called Flock. And this also was panned. I'm not going to go into what Flock was, but the, the move was also panned as a way to concentrate power with little benefit to privacy. And guess what? They postponed that and now have abandoned that particular move almost in its entirety. But the whole issue of whether it was Flock or now Topics API and whatever the case may be, it doesn't matter which way you cut this. It doesn't matter which way you try to understand this. The simple fact is every time you go online, every time you agree, I know more and more websites now because of rules from um, GDPR and from Europe asks you, are you prepared to accept cookies? Now, for the most part, you're not. You don't need to accept cookies at all. However, because of the way that the web browsers work, a lot of services need that information before it can start delivering any content to you, which is pretty clever. What they've done is link your location and the information that's collected from cookies into the type of product or the type of information that you're going to see. So not only are they marketing or advertising to you, a lot of websites which are global in their very nature will adapt the content based on your cookie on what's going on. And some websites actually break if you don't accept cookies and they will not work at all or they will send you very limited information. So for the most part, I know it's annoying. I find it terribly annoying that I've got to click accept cookies or even think about accepting cookies every time I open a website. Um, but there it sits. So you have to do it, either accept or don't accept. Generally, you can get away with not accepting any cookies and see how that works. You can also change your website um, settings, which is probably step too far for the vast majority of us who's even thought of going to tighten up your cookie settings in your website but it's possible if you click on the menu the three little dots on the right of google chrome and you go down to settings and then you go to privacy security and privacy and it says cookies and other site data and what you can do is allow all cookies or block them or just block them all completely so there's just a huge there's just a huge uh, amount of stuff. You can also say do not track requests with your browsing traffic. So there's a lot you can do to tighten up your, your browsing habits and get rid of all this tracking that goes on. The problem is for the most part because of the structure and the, the way that the web works and the way that all these services have been created, the tighter you make your, your security, the less you allow 
all these various sites and various platforms to track what you're doing and to to do what you're doing, like location and things like that. None of the mapping stuff works if you don't have location. So if you cut, cut down and you really lock your browser down so that nothing connects to anything, you will find that many websites absolutely break. They just do not work. They do not deliver any content that's usable. Search stops being accurate. And so many things start changing that they've made it pretty much impossible. So for now, as per usual, you're going to hear more and more about cookies and tracking and privacy and all this type of stuff. But to allay your fears, for the most part, using browsers, allowing this information to be collected to target certain adverts that you may be annoying on occasion. But the the flip side of that, the access to all the various Google services and other services that are built on the simple ability to customize the browsing and other experiences directly to your needs, your likes, your location, your interests, definitely does bring a lot of benefit. So be very aware that Generally, you can accept the cookies. There's no problem in that. You can generally decline if you are prepared to accept that you're going to lose a lot of these types of services. And that system will change over the next little while. All these GDPR laws and, and popular laws are trying to stay ahead of how fast technology works. And Google, Apple, Facebook, these guys absolutely are at the cutting edge of what technology can do. And together with their entire ecosystem, and it's enormously powerful, the marketing and advertising agency, the promotions and um, marketing people have enormous power across the world. And it's a fully integrated and massively complicated setup with all the various types of 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 marketing that can be effected through mobile, through online, through desktop, you name it, with these various platforms and systems. And it just makes a huge difference. And when you start throwing in social media and all that type of influencer-controlled stuff, it is a very, very sensitive topic for most of us. And yet, quite honestly, there is so much that I No one can spend the time knowing everything. And sometimes the adverts are brilliant. Sometimes they bring to the four product services you would never have thought of. So being exposed to marketing isn't necessarily a bad thing. And generally, anything collected safely on the web through the major platforms has a certain protection within terms of the laws. Yes, there's been a lot of controversy around Facebook. Yes, there's been a lot of controversy around what's happening at Google. But generally, these These companies have to skirt the line of not really alienating their users by doing anything particularly aggressive or letting too much information go out there. But I think the old adage that if it goes online, it's there forever stands. You have to be very aware of what you do online with regard to everything that you do. So what websites you go to, how you use the web, the types of of information you access and the types of information you upload all lands up building a profile about you. And in the end, they can, in certain countries like China, which has the great firewall of China and they track absolutely everything, but more and more countries around the world are forcing these big companies to be very careful about what they track, what they collect, how they use what they collect. And you can't always rely only on the big platforms and the big laws You have to use a bit of common sense. It's like leaving your wallet lying around with money sticking out of it. It's temptation. 
The same thing goes for online. You have to be very aware of what you're doing, where you're going, who you're connecting with, and what types of information you're sharing online. But you will hear more and more about how advertisers and people like that are going to make a big difference in terms of how they're going to send you banner ads, how they're going to send you targeted ads, how what you browse and search for will will change based on your likes, dislikes. I'm all for customization. I do believe that there's a certain echo chamber involved in social media. In other words, the more you get fed the information you want to see, the less you know what's going on. And there's a large movement around that to try to democratize and make that simple and easy for us to understand so that we get a broad selection of data and not just a hyper-focused on what you like or don't like, which tends to, as I say, create this echo chamber of you only see what you want to hear. And that can be a little dangerous in terms of fake news and all that good stuff. But that's a topic for a completely different show. And I'm actually trying doing a little bit of work in that space. And I'm trying to get a couple of experts to come online one of these days or come on the radio with me one of these days to discuss those type of topics. Because I think they're fundamental to what we do online. I think they're really fundamental to what uh, is going on in the world and how much information is out there. So stay tuned on all these crazy topics there's a whole generation of new cookies. I don't know whether they'll call them that. I don't know where the word came from. But um, I suppose a cookie is a little drop of information and a little small biscuit. It's not a cake. And uh, that's probably where it all landed up from. So here we sit. Google has extended the cookies. Uh, that whole platform will continue for another year or two. New platforms are being worked on and trying to be hashed out between the, the various stakeholders, which is Google themselves and the other companies that make money out of advertising, and the advertisers themselves who are desperate to find an audience for whatever product, service, and whatever it is that they want to sell. And to be honest, I wouldn't know half of the things going on in the world if it wasn't for the simple fact that I see it online, it pops up in an advert here or there, it it, there's a little banner that pops up on the various websites that I'm working on. I get targeted adverts when I do a Google search, which I think most of us do three, four times a day. Anyway, so let's leave it at that. I think that's a ton of information around what's going on in the marketing space with regard to cookies and the impact that it has on our lives. And um, it definitely does make for a huge difference. Just one last tip. If you guys want to clear your cookies in the browser, you can do it through the same method I explained earlier. And what you will see once you've cleared all the cookies is a whole different bunch of advertising until it builds up your profile again. So try that out and you'll see the power of it. Um, <laughs> it's pretty, pretty incredible. And on that note, we're going to have a quick break for our sponsors and then we'll be back with some cool gadgets of the week and we can chat more about that straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. We are talking about something that has become quite a sort of ubiquitous thing everywhere. Everyone you see is wandering around with little AirPods or something poked in their ears, and they're talking on their phones, they're doing gym, they're doing everything. The days when cabled headphones were the de facto standard, even the little earbuds with little wires running down, seems to have moved on quite quickly as true wireless earphones have become more and more ubiquitous and the pricing of them has got come down to the point where you can really get a 
a, a decent pair under a thousand rand. But for the most part, as in computers, there was always a saying that uh, the computer you want is always a thousand dollars. Call it what you will. The, the, the technology keeps moving, the price doesn't, but you're getting a lot more for your thousand dollars. Faster, bigger memory, bigger this, bigger screens, better quality, whatever. And that's, that sort of adage seems to have worked very closely in the, the wireless earbud space as well. Now what came across my desk, and I've been playing with them for just a very short while, are a new range of earbuds from a company called Jabra. Now Jabra have always been known, and many years ago moved into the, they were professional uh, microphone and headphones people, and they moved into the consumer space with a whole range of consumer headphones. And of late, they've been doing a great range of earbuds for both normal use and, of course, for active use. So I got a pair of the Elite Pros 7 Pros and the Elite 4 Actives to try them out and try to understand how they fit in all the space. Now, the Elite Pro 7 is definitely, or the Elite 7 Pro, don't they? Muddle up these names, no end. They are aimed firmly at the higher end of um, headphones and headphone market in the world. And it does compete with the iPhone, the, the Apple EarPod Pros, and many others out there. And it is a hugely competitive market. But there are two key things that tend to define these type of high-end products. One is noise cancelling that sort of become de facto at anything over two, three thousand rand, and um, of course the quality of the fit and the battery life. Now the Elite Seven Pro has been engineered for to cover all those things. It's designed to be super comfortable and super little. The sizes of them have dropped, and you also don't have that little stick sticking out your ear. It's hidden a lot like the Samsung earbuds. Each ear, each you know, each earbud has got eight hours of battery and with a case, a total of 30 hours. So you can probably charge three times or twice in that time, which is pretty good. They also, like all other earbuds, tend to be rainproof. They're not fully waterproof. We'll talk about that with the actives, but they've got adjustable noise cancelling, active noise cancelling. A lot of them, because they're simply in-ear and do fill your ear canal to have a certain level of um, of noise cancelling. But these, the Elite Pro 7s definitely have a very adjustable active noise cancelling. And they've also got something which they call multi-sensor voice for revolutionary calls. Translated, more microphones which tend to work together to make using these devices for when they're in your head and connected to your phone for phone calls a lot, a lot better. Now, the Elite 7 Pros, the little that I've used them and that I've, I've spent some time with them, are certainly very competitive. They do not sound as good as the top-end Bose, the top-end Sonys at this point in time. They're very – they just to get that out of the way, the sound quality is good. They've got good bass, if anything, a little heavy on the bass. Um Though for the most part that's not a problem because earbuds tend to not have a lot of bass simply because of their size and the, and, and the, 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 the amount that they seal in your ears. But these are IP57 rated, so a little bit of sweat, a little bit of water will definitely make no difference. The case 
is wireless charging, like all its top-end competitors. They're very compact, and I've been wearing them for hours on end, and they're extremely, extremely comfortable. Obviously, I think Jabra have done a hell of a good job at figuring out how to make headphones super comfortable in your ears, and it works really well. The only real negatives are that they sound very in your head. They don't have a very spacious sound. But again, a lot of earbuds have exactly the same problem. And the profile seems to be a little down in the middle. Call it a bit of a scooped profile. The, the, the treble is a little, little bright and the bass is a little heavy. You can, using the Jabra app on your phone, adjust that. You actually have a whole setting where it, you can test your ears and it'll reset the profile based on your own hearing, which works really well. It definitely improved that somewhat. And they, they are without a question one of the nicer headphones that I've played with. They last long. They work very well. The ANC, the, <laughs> gotta be careful using those three letters in this country, but the noise cancellation is good. It's not superb. The Sonys and the obviously the leaders in that space, uh, Bose, tend to create this definite dead silence. Sometimes, though, there's a bit of a pressure in having such excellent noise cancellation. These are not quite that good. They cut out the lawnmower. They cut out the rumble of cars. They cut out random, you know, steady noises very well. Random noise, not as well as many others. But it's a fairly, fairly solid um, performance. And again, this is where it gets interesting. They're retailing around 3999 in South Africa. And for that price, they're significantly cheaper than it, their competitors like the Apple and um, the Sonys. And they are at least 95% as good in many respects. Yes, the Sonys have better sound qualities. Yes, the Apples have that seamless ability to connect to anything without any hassle, uh, as well as reasonable sound quality. I've never been a big fan of the Apple quality of sound. And compared to the Bose, Bose sound, again, a bit of a, a quiet taste. I'm not the biggest fan of the, their sound profile, but high-quality noise cancelling and decent-quality sound. So that being said, if you're looking for a pair of really good quality, solidly made, well-supported headphones or earbuds, the new Jabra Elite 7 Pros are very, very good at a very good price. And I think that was the sweet spot they were going for. They could have thrown more features at it. They could have spent a little bit more money on certain of the electronics. But at the difference between the very high end and these is not that big. And they give great sound, ease of use, and everything that you would want to do. But now, obviously, the other pair that's floating about here are the Elite Four Actors. Now, these are a bit of a budget bargain. They are under 2,000 Rand. You can get them for around about 1,990 Rand. As I said, quite expensive in the space, but not expensive for what they deliver. They are even more waterproof. They design for an active lifestyle. You can really get them wet. You can do all sorts of things with them. The battery life, not quite as good as the Elite 7 Pros, but still pretty good. Seven hours of in the, in the headsets themselves and 28 hours, um, with the case. But they have active noise cancelling. And at that price, that is actually pretty unique. And they fit very well. I've jumped around like mad with them. Never had a problem. They didn't pop out. And they just proved to be sonically not quite as good as the Elite 7 Pro, but still very nice. And for running and, and, and going to gym and doing things like that, 
you you tend to be moving a lot and your head moves, so the sound quality is probably a lot less um, lot less relevant in that space. The other thing, using the app, you can dial down the noise cancelling to the point where you can either hear through or you just cut it down because when you're running and you're thumping with your feet and it's going through your ears, it can be a little disturbing, so you can get rid of that which is one of the problems that I found with a lot of really good active noise-canceling headphones. They tend to enhance other noises and make things a little crazy. So a really, really interesting pair of, of headphones, one aiming at the high end and getting damn close, and the other aiming at the mid-range and doing a fine job compared to everything else that I've tried in terms of noise-canceling, in terms of battery life, in terms of fit and comfort, which is quite significant. They don't fall out. I've really done some pretty active stuff. No problem. They sound good. And they um, connect fairly seamlessly to pretty much anything else. So check them out. You can get them pretty much at dealers wherever they sell Jabra. You can find out. You can look online. And they've got some great place prices at Take-A-Lot and all the various online retailers. They're pretty new, especially the Elite 4. And... Um, you should be able to get them in a number of different colors and how important that is because you can't see your own ears. But if you're pernickety, that's the case. And we'll be back straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Now, one of the interesting things, and I suppose it's not been particularly relevant the last couple of years because most of us have not been traveling pretty much anywhere. But over the years pre this madness of COVID and everything. Um, I used to use a company called No Roaming for my international traveling. And it was pretty revolutionary at the time. It started off with a sticker that you stuck on the back of your SIM, which effectively gave you a dual SIM in a phone that didn't have the capacity to handle two separate SIMs. And when you traveled overseas, the software would simply switch it to the network, um, a local network, and you'd get between 80 and 90% saving on calls because roaming was and still is an absolute scam of absolute epic proportions. So over the years, no roaming has delivered for many of us. And as the world opens up, I think that we're going to see more and more of us getting out, traveling, going to Europe, going to America, visiting all over the world. No roaming has evolved with the rest of us. In some ways, I think it's going to limit them, but in others, it certainly makes them super, super, super slick. So if you go to no roaming, no roaming, K-N-O roaming.com, you will find that they have changed to a, a new company. They call themselves K-ESIM. They've gone fully ESIM. And ESIMs are the most remarkable thing in the world. If you've got a more modern phone and more and more phones have the ESIM capacity, all you do is scan a QR code, your ESIM's on your phone instantly, and you can switch between them with no problem. The pricing is still very, very attractive. And global, so from $4 a month or 450 for 30 days, you can get a gig of data in the USA. Dirt cheap compared to anything else, up to $22 for 5 gig. So check it out. If you are going to be traveling, the KESIM or KNOROAMING.com, go back. They still got the old URL. It works simply. The instructions are simple. The prices are excellent. And it's just the simplest way to get global connectivity without worrying about roaming with your phone, which you just simply should not do. And on that note, I've been told my time is up. No more tech for this week. Same place, same time. Come and visit and spend some time with me on Tech Talk right here on High FM.